are the confessions of American Christians recovering from American Christianity. This is the world we made. David Amberson, your humble and obedient host. We're joined by our good friend, Pastor Jacob Menzel. And today, this is part six of our discussion with Pastor Tim Bailey on the nature of fatherhood. We're going to talk about education. How do you educate your children? Homeschool, private school, public school. Now you got that absolutely all figured out, right, Jake? You have it <laughs> nailed to the wall. You know exactly what to think. And you were prepared to tell everyone else exactly what to think about this, I'm going to tell this, you right? exactly what to think right now. <laughs> Never trust a man who says he's got it all figured out when it comes to education. But there are some principles that you absolutely have to have nailed to the wall. And that's where we began our conversation with Tim. Several times I've heard from people, the one criticism I've heard is that they love the chapter on discipline and they can't stand the chapter on education and instruction. The reason is that in the chapter on teaching, what I end up doing is not giving them the specifics of how they should raise their children. I don't hawk the merits of the trivium. I don't tell them that Charlotte Mason is the best. I don't tell them to put their kids in a Christian school or home school or public school. I don't do any of that stuff. What I say is, your wife is going to try to have her personhood and meaning in life attached to the particular form of education and curriculum of your children, and you must not allow that to rule your home. And this is why people can't stand the chapter. I don't give a rip how people educate their children. Now, that's not true. If you have a high school son and you're still homeschooling him, I want you to know that that is likely to be disastrous in terms of him learning what it is to be a man. Because by the time he's a young man, he should not have the principal disciplinarian of his life being his mother, okay? Now, if you don't like what I just said, you better think about it because if you're a decent homeschooler, you should know that before I say And if you're in denial and you don't know that what I just said is true, then you shouldn't be homeschooling that son. There may be exceptions, like for instance, if you're in the middle of Namibia and the closest school is three hours away and it's run by a bunch of witches, <laughs> you know, I can see there are some cases where a high school son maybe should be homeschooled, right? But what fathers need to do, there are two things that are absolutely essential for a father to bring in his home and to rule the home in such a way that they are inescapable in his home. And one is the fear of God and the other is proper priorities. But this chapter on education, I think the reason that people don't like it is because there's almost no man that isn't under the thumb of his wife on the issue of the education of his children. I am absolutely opposed to that. The first thing that we must realize about our children is that our children are going to grow up to be who we are. Now, I don't mean that, that if we're a nasty, selfish brute, that they'll grow up to be a nasty, selfish brutes, although that also is true. What I mean is, if we love to read, they'll love to read. If we don't read trash, like comic books, but real books, they'll love to read real books. If we like to discuss doctrinal truth and error, they'll love to discuss... And so parents need to realize that the one thing after 
decades of our public educators in this country doing everything they can to wring more money out of us as taxpayers for their public schools and have all their studies and all their schools of education and all the different techniques they've learned and, and taught and everything and everything and everything. The end result is what everybody knows is that if you have a meal together every night at your table, your children will get good grades and will succeed. <laughs> and I just think that's so funny, you know? No matter what we try, no matter all the studies, all the curriculum, all the value neutral, the behavior modification, the, the new math, the old math, the, the twisted math, all this stuff, what we really need to do for the education and instruction of our children is to make sure that God and his word are number one and then live with our children. We can do Charlotte Mason, we can do public schools, we can do home schools, we can do Christian schools, we can do classical schools, we can do whatever we want. And guess what? It's like the old Harry Chapin song, I'm gonna be like you, dad. And guess what? He was just like his dad. And so what we have to do is refuse to become idolatrous about the method of education. And that's what I see is everywhere in the conservative church today, is that everybody holds more tightly to their form of education than they hold to Jesus Christ. Why did that become such a big idol? Oh, man, why? Well, I think one of the reasons it became such a big deal is that it is so infuriating when these teachers get paid such salaries and have such temples and unbelievable expense that's put into public education. And our children never learn to love learning. Mm -hmm. I remember when Joseph went to South High School, the public school here for his first year, and he took all the advanced courses he could, and he was bored. Got all A's, and he was bored. And I just made a decision that I was pulling him out of school. And the reason was the idea that a child would be schooled and would be bored. It's such a reprehensible thing to me mm -hmm. that educators would bore students. And it wasn't because Joseph was impossible to please. Joseph is an agreeable guy. But it, it, it's just education is so awful in the public schools today. It's just so awful. It's awful. You don't learn anything. <laughs> You know, I remember reading a paper. We had an English professor in this church a few years ago, and she told me what a star pupil one of the college students in our school was. So one day I read a paper he wrote, and I think he was either a junior or a senior at the time he wrote this paper, and I could not believe how awful that paper was. And he was an English major. Huh. You know, when you look at what education has done in our country, it's basically become that a college degree today is what a high school degree was when I was a young a child. And I think Christians are always people of the word and the book. And we love truth. We love the word. We love the logos. We love the prophets. We love, we love the apocalypse. We love the didactic. We love the narrative. We love, uh, whom else should we go to? You alone have the words of you. I mean, how could you be a Christian and not love truth and words and learning and logic and reason? How can you be a Christian and not hate modernism in all its forms? And, you know, I remember Clockwork Orange. Oh, that movie was so awful, I left that movie before it got five minutes into the movie. I could not bear the ugliness of that movie. It, shouldn't Christians love what is true and beautiful and good? And so I think that's why. 
we know that God has glorified himself in the beauty of nature, in the beauty of truth, in the beauty of sex and love and marriage and the family of gardening. And and then our kids go to school, and, and it's like Joseph. He goes to school, and what do they do? Well, they have a bunch of IU students come into his class, and they take out a banana and show the kids how to put a condom on the banana. Literally, that's what happened. And I'm not worried about Joseph seeing a condom put on a banana. I, I, it didn't bother me at all, except it was just so utterly inane, mm-hmm. so stupid, <laughs> you know? And that's what publication is, has become. It's just simply become propaganda done by secularists who are confident that they're keeping religion out of education. And they're the most intolerant religionists there are on the face of the earth is a well-meaning public school teacher. And I would add, who is a woman? <laughs> you know? So I think that's why I think we just hated to see learning so trashed by everybody that was doing it. And so we said, there's got to be something different. And then we discovered great books. And we read books and man, you know, Turgenev's Fathers and Sons, you know, Dostoevsky's The Idiot. You read Thomas Hardy and you realize that the fatalism of Dark Side of the Moon didn't start with Pink Floyd. It started with Thomas Hardy, (laughs) you know. You know, you read E.E. Cummings, such delightful nonsense. You read John Donne. Wilt thou forgive that? And and so all of a sudden, you're attached to all the godly people who ever lived. And you begin to read them, and it's the very opposite of a name. It's gloriously helpful. You know what I read to my mother-in-law? She was on the verge of death. I read John Donne poetry. That in scripture, and we sang hymns. So I know that education is important, but what I would say to you as dads is, as much as you're able, and you may never have been raised to love reading, and I don't want to guilt trip you, I don't, as you would say, Nathan, punish you. I don't want to punish you for that. But I cannot separate the Christian life from words. I can't do it. And so what you need to do is read out loud to your children and read fun books. You know, read A.A. Milne's uh, When We Were Very Young. James, James, Morrison, Morrison, Weatherby, George, Dupree took great care of his mother, though he was only three. James, James said to his mother, mother, he said, said he, you must never go down to the end of the town if you don't go down with me. But don't make an idol out of education. And that's my my largest fear is not that we won't love words. My largest fear is that we'll love degrees. And degrees are no indication of learning, of intellect, of logic. Samuel Clemens said that you should never allow schooling to get in the way of your education, your children's education. And what I want fathers to do is, if you're a farmer, take him in the tractor with you. If you're a pastor, take him to Presbytery. I always used to take my kids to Presbytery meetings, and they'd spend the Presbytery meeting you know, like it, or at General Assembly, they'd run up the down escalator and get in trouble and play in the, the pool, you know. Whatever you're doing, take them with you. I know that a lot of people are going to go, I don't have the freedom to do that. And I say, there's a lot more freedom for us to have our kids work with us than we want to admit, okay? And your children always will grow up to love the things you love. That's what they'll do. And that's what you need to know about teaching and education. You love books, you love poetry, you love reading aloud, you love P.G. Woodhouse. Guess what? Your kids will love P.G. Woodhouse. If you love to eat together, guess what? Your kids will love each other and they'll love eating together. If you love your wife, guess what? Your children will love their wives. Now, I know that people are going to say, well, my dad didn't love my my mother. 
And I say, look, there are all kinds of things that we have to do that we didn't see our parents do. So stop whining and ask God to give you the grace to do the things you didn't see model when you were growing up. And I have to tell you that my father was no good at being a father when I was an adolescent, okay? It's the dirty truth. And so when I had an adolescent son come, become an adolescent, reach puberty, I asked Tim Wagner, an elder in this church, to pray for me because I knew I had no clue what I was doing. And I'm not going to talk about it except to say God showed me what to do. And Tim prayed, and you wouldn't believe the sweet relationship I have with my two sons. And that's not because of anything about me. <laughs> I know they get irritated with me all the time and everything. And actually, they do irritate me too. <laughs> but we really do love each other. So I would say the things that you can't say that you saw growing up, but that you need to do in your home, you do them. You make a decision that you're going to have one meal a day as a family. And maybe you only manage to do it three days out of seven. That's okay. My sister has a lot of things about her and me that we disapprove of with each other. And I'll be so bold as to say a lot of the things I disapprove of with her are things I think are a matter of Christian faith, okay? So it's not just light disagreements, right? But you know, my, my, my sister, when I was having my children enter, pu enter puberty, I remember her saying to me one time, she said, Tim, whatever you enjoy doing, just do it with your children. And that was one of the most helpful things anybody ever said to me about being a father. Whatever you like to do, do it with your children. And it's so sweet because it takes all the guilt tripping out of being a dad. You know, what Jake loves more than anything else is actually not his wife. Did you know that? What he actually loves more than anything else is his father's baseball. <laughs> not that's I, I'm joking, right? You really do love right, your yeah. wife more than baseball, right? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> and I love Jake. I think you do too. You know what I did is I went down and watched him with his son playing baseball. He was one of the assistant coaches or coach or something. And so I went down to Smithville where they have a pretty intense baseball program, Smithville What's it called? Smithville. Smithville Baseball. Smithville yeah. Baseball. I never knew Jake until I saw him sitting on a five-gallon bucket flipped upside down, all shaggy and sort of hanging there over, draped over the bucket, talking to his son with his big ears sticking out at shortstop, right? Yep. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I knew not just Jake, I knew his father. And I fell in love with his dad from father to son to son to son. And I fell in love from father to son to grandson. And I saw Peter out there listening to his dad's instructions and trying to please his father. And I don't know, it's just, that's prettier than a teenage woman. I mean, really, the tenderness between a father and a son doing baseball. I know you didn't see this, but it doesn't mean that you can't have joy in it. And I never saw it, you know. My dad, the idea of my dad coming to one of my cross-country meets or watching me play tennis or something, <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> my dad in a million years would never have done that. <laughs> hmm. Isn't that true, though, that so much of the joys of life God gives to us by having us do as we please, and so much of being a father is learning to go with the grain of how God has made you. And your grain is completely different from Jake's. But you, in the raising of children, you need to find your grain and go with it. 
And with us, the grain was, you know, taking our kids into the boundary waters, canoeing or backpacking up in the Rockies. Other people, it's going to a campground and pulling a trailer behind you and setting up the television. And I look down my nose at those people. Actually, not anymore. I used to, but I don't anymore because mm. now I'm heavier than I ever have been, <laughs> and more sedentary. And <laughs> now I kind of see the logic behind <laughs> pulling a trailer into a beautiful place and letting the air conditioner blow up one leg and down the other, <laughs> as Jerry Clowers says. Anyhow, I, I, I think so much of my, what my sister said that she said, do what you enjoy with your children. I think that's a very wise statement. Mm. But going back and rehearsing, the point I want to make is when it comes to education, read, have meals together, and your children will be you. So if you love the book, which is the Bible, if you love words, if you love truth, your children, I don't care if it's Charlotte Mason, homeschooling, the trivium, I don't care what it is. Your children are going to be able to articulate their faith and to commend their conscience and their commitments to unbelievers. Don't worry about how you educate your children, unless it involves being a missionary and sending them away to a boarding school, and then don't do it. And if I have to explain why you've never read anything about C.S. Lewis talking about the English boarding schools, and that's what the missionary boarding schools were, okay? And so, no, not boarding schools. But other than that, shoot. <laughs> What Joseph and I did was he was supposedly being homeschooled, right? Of course, we didn't ever homeschool him. You know, everybody in the church knew that, you know. We just gave him books to read and sent him off to IU to take classes, right? But one day I was reading G.K. Chesterton's The Everlasting Man, and I was laughing up in my bedroom, and I came down and read it out loud, and he and I laughed together. And what's not to like about that? You know, he was a sophomore in high school, that's the age he was, and he thought it was funny. As Chesterton made fun of anthropologists. <laughs> You know, lampoon them as only Chesterton can. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then the fear of God. So discipline, priorities, God and the word have taught. Not your wife's thinking about what the curriculum should be or how often they should have music lessons. Now, God and scripture and church. That's another thing about priorities in education. Why is it that mothers don't feel as strongly about their church's instruction of their children as they do about what curriculum they use? I don't get that. And of course, the reason is the curriculum is focused on the mother and she can be jealous of her children in homeschooling. But when it comes to the church, well, that's 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 a competitor. She can't trust the youth workers. And that's such an awful thing. The fact is, I don't know where we'd be if we had not had a bunch of godly men and women helping us to raise our children who were their youth directors, their Sunday school teachers. That whole family-centered church thing is so oppressive. It's like solitary confinement with the children. Shouldn't the children have some time that they don't have to be around their father who's just a plain stick in the mud and their mother who's a control freak? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The World We Made was produced and executive produced by Jacob Benzel and Nathan Alberson. You can find more great content at warhornmedia.com or find us on social media under at Warhorn Media. And next week, guys, talk about the funnest of all fun years, the teenage years. <laughs> oh, I love the teenage years.
everybody, if you enjoyed today's program, be sure to go to patreon.com forward slash out of our minds where you can sign up to support out of our minds, which is the home for the writing of Tim Bailey and many others on our very own warhornmedia.com. It's also the home of this very podcast. Also, be sure to listen to me and Jake's other podcast, Sound of Sanity. Each week, Jake, myself, our beloved engineer, Ben, and the kooky denizens of Sanityville take you on a kaleidoscopic comedic journey through sex, family, church, culture, and pop culture. There's skits, songs, debates, and some good old-fashioned preaching all designed to remind you that you, Christian, are the sane one. It's them that are crazy. It's a show that's come a long way from its humble beginnings. I really love it. Check it out. It drops every Tuesday on warhornmedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts.